Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Price of Football podcast with me, Kevin Day, and football's effing Rayman, Kieran Maguire. Sitting over here. How are you, Kieran? I'm very good, thank you, Kevin. Good. I like the fact that you're happy with being described as football's effing financial Rayman, but it's, it's, it brings a smile to your face, isn't it? Well, compared to what some of my students call well, me, it's, it's actually yeah, an yeah, improvement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is essentially what you are, though, because you, you, you are the leading... I think you're a country's leading expert in exposing financial irregularities in football, and that's not a bad thing to be, is it? Yeah, I think I'm in a pool of one, so no, I'm, I'm, I'm also there for the worst. Well, you're still the best. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Um, it's Monday, so it's it's question day. Um, some good questions are coming up. We've got a question that Ian Holloway buys into Grimsby. Is it better not to own your own stadium, which is a, a, an issue that came up in the last pod? Uh, and how much does winning the Euros get you if... Uh, God forbid England do, wouldn't it? That would be great. Now, first question. And again, it's it's probably based on uh, the discussion we had about Berry in the last pod, who just faced another winding up order. Um, this is from uh, Rose of the Rovers. It's R-H-O-S. I'm presuming there's some kind of Welsh connection there. But Rose of the Rovers, thank you for your question, Rose. Rose basically wants to know, is it, some clubs repeatedly seem to appear in court to be wound up yet have their cases adjourned time after time. Is, is there a reason for that? Yes, there is. Um, what will happen is that normally, uh, normally it's HMRC that are uh, applying for a winding up order for non-payment of taxes. Not always, as we saw in Morecambe, so the, the players and the ex-manager was yeah, that was, Mac, that was Macclesfield. Uh, uh, Macclesfield. Macclesfield. Yep. Beg your pardon, sorry. Um, but Morecambe have also had issues of this nature. Yep. South Ends. There's been a lot of clubs who have uh, ended up uh, normally with wage-related or unpaid bills. Yeah. What tends to happen is that the owner of the club will see whether HMSRC back down, and if they don't, they will then go to the court and say, um, "I've just written out a check. Here it is." And then the same cycle will occur right. again and again. Now, part of that is actually due to the, the way that clubs receive money. Because if you are a football club, you're getting money from season ticket holders, match day people, TV money, and your commercial sponsors. That money is not arriving evenly throughout the year. So you, if, you, if you listen to, uh, I think actually it was, it was David Gold uh, or David, it was David Sullivan at West Ham. They said they get 75% of their total income from the year um, by the end of July. So Sky and BT, they pay an awful lot of money up front. The sponsors pay the money up front. Because the sponsors and, and the TV companies, they want to fund the transfer market. Give the clubs the cash, they'll go out and spend it. Of course. That never occurred to me. Season ticket holders again. Where when do you think about when do you pay for your season ticket? You know, I, I got my reminder this week. Right. So yeah, I've got, I've got to pay by the the fifteenth of March if if I, if I want a season ticket. So clubs are getting their money early, and that means if they've got bills, especially tax bills, which you have to pay your tax on a monthly basis for HMRC for your PAY and NRC, then 
that if that comes in in November or January, you've, the only money you've got coming in is match day tickets, which can be relatively small income. So if you don't pay that and you kick it along the road for a couple of months, you end up in court. But by then, you've got some money from the January transfer window, or you've got another instalment from Sky, or something like that, and you use that to pay your bills. So you're telling me that on a much higher level, these clubs are having the same sort of problems I have, basically. <laughs> it because sounds... being freelance, money comes in at different times. And but, that's it. but surely HMRC know then that even a club halfway down League Two, they know there is a certain commitment for them to be paid for TV money for EF. So they... they what's what's doesn't that not help MRC to relax a little bit so we know they're getting money in well the trouble is if you if you don't apply for a winding up order the chances are the club will go and pay another one of its creditors so HMRC you know, ultimately they're looking after our interests yes, yeah, as much yeah, as anybody was... else we are we're all taxpayers and therefore uh, they feel duty bound to not treat football clubs preferentially to other industries because if that was the case they'd have M- MPs screaming at them um, at the first opportunity it, it, well that's interesting is is there a legal hierarchy then of if if you're if you're having financial trouble do you have to pay HMRC first tax VAT or 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 do every every creditor has an equal right to the money they're owned um it, it's a bit like uh what, what we will have in terms of our personal debts. The, the bank comes first because the mortgage, they've got a mortgage. So that's what's called a preferential or a secured okay. creditor. And then everybody else is in a pool. Now, those rules are actually changing from the 1st of April 2020. HMRC are moving slightly up the pecking order, so they will have uh, a more preferential position. How they're going to react to that, in the because they will now have the knowledge that if the club goes into receivership, they're going to get more money than than Joe Schmuck, who, who's supplying the club with pies or or transport or whatever. Um, and as a consequence, they might take a slightly more relaxed view, but I suspect not. HMRC's attitude interests me, uh, being on the personal end of it for quite some for quite some years. Not every year, I have to say. Uh, that's all down to my own idiocy with money, but. I, I hear what you're saying about them being reluctant to treat football clubs like any other business, but also surely there must be a reluctance at much HMRC to to see a club wound up. Surely they they must be aware that it is a slightly different circumstance and that there's no real mileage for them to, to be the reason that a club disappears. Um, they have no moral compass when it comes to this because there's lots of seasonal businesses. If you think, if, you, if you're operating in a seaside town, yeah, you, you get... 80% of your yeah. income over four months. Uh, and then the, the danger is, from HMRC's perspective, if the club does go bust, then they're an unsecured creditor and they can end up with three pence in the pound. If they could have got 20 pence in the pound from applying for a winding up order themselves three months earlier, some, somebody's job's on the line yeah. at the tax authorities. And, and, and therefore, they are operating in the best interests of, of the taxpayer. Now, this is a very good question. It's from David Kirk. Um, Grimsby just appointed Ian Holloway as manager, and, and he has bought £100,000 worth of shares in the club. Now, David raises a very interesting question. Does that change the dynamic or blur the relationship between the chairman and the manager? Uh, I, th- I think it's a very magnanimous gesture by Ian Holloway. I'm, I'm a huge fan of his. I think... Uh, uh, given what he does in, in his personal circumstances, I've got nothing but admiration for the guy. Um, I, I think this is him, to a certain extent, saying, I've been out of football for a while. Um, thanks for showing an investment in me. 
I'm going to repay that. Grimsby in total have 2.3 million shares. So if he's bought 100,000 shares, he becomes a a very minority shareholder. Oh, no, so I said £100,000 worth of shares, so that might be different to 100,000 shares. He's bought 100,000 shares. I, th- I think I think he's bought one pound shares. Yeah. Oh, I see. okay. So, so, so we might um, both be right. Well, this is there any chance that this would have been part of his deal that when they approached him to be manager, he would say yes, fine, but I'd quite like some of it to be in shares. Or do you think this is a separate investment on his part? Well, remember he's buying into the club. Yeah. So you know, a manager wouldn't normally do that. A normal relationship is that you're an employee. Um, I, I think what perhaps he's sold to the club is that I want to have a more than just a standard relationship. Um, and as a shareholder, um, I, I sh- potentially can share in in the benefits of the club should it ever make money. Now, I don't know whether you're aware, but Grimsby are trying to move their stadium. Mm. So they're trying to move away from Blundell Park to somewhere out of town. Blundell Park could therefore be sold. It, it is actually quite central in Grimsby. I had... What's the- in Cleethorpes, but... Yeah, yeah. I, I won the greatest nights of my life <laughs> in in, in really? Grimsby. Oh yes, it was. Well, uh, I've heard about several of the great nights in your life. So if Grimsby tops them, I'm going to have to. Let's crack on with the rest of the pod. And you can tell me in private that. Um, but but in terms, that, no, that's fine if Grimsby do well. But David, Kirk, I think, is implying now. What happens if Grimsby struggle under Ian Holloway? How do they sack him? Well, they sack him because ultimately he's an employee and the decision is made by the board of directors. So therefore, that particular relationship won't be impacted. Um, I think from his point of view, he's unlikely to get his money back unless Grimsby are spectacularly successful. So I think it's a a good gesture of his uh, to put, put money into the football club. He's unlikely to get it back um, because if he leaves, who's going to buy the shares off him? Given that the other director or the directors and, and the club owner, um, they don't need to buy those shares. They can simply say to Ian, "Sorry, mate, you know they're yours for life. You can, st- you can stick the certificate up on your toilet wall." And the, the, he hasn't got enough shares to influence club policy on anything. Then, not not with a hundred thousand. No, uh, it, it it puts him at you know a, a low 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 singles percentage. So it appears to be. I want to show that I'm more invested in this club than a normal manager. Which is good, because it will buy him time with fans as well. I mean, fans will like that as a gesture, I presume, wouldn't they? This guy sees a future in us, so we'll we'll get behind him. So it might even buy him six extra months. The directors might think, oh, we can't get rid of this guy, he's popular. Yeah, I I think it could. I mean, you you normally make an investment on a long-term basis. Mm. So I think he sees this as an opportunity to commit himself, um, and he'll be looking for some form of commitment coming back the other way. Well, I think that's a story we'll come back to, is, is my instinct. But uh, you'll like this next question, um, because it's a proper accounting question. This is from Jonathan Tor. I'll be back when you've finished answering it. Um, Jonathan <laughs> Tor is a Huddersfield fan. Now, Jonathan says, um, at the start of the season, the owners of Huddersfield told the fans that when you sell a player, you're required to pay tax to HMRC, as we've been discussing, on the sale. And now... Is that not odd? Because surely you pay tax on profits rather than on one individual deal, didn't you? Yeah. So, so what what we need to do is to separate it out. Any profit they make, they will pay tax on when they do their annual tax return. Yeah, we've just done our annual tax returns thirty first of January, and you had to go and pay. Have, have we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Okay, I'll just make a note of that. And, yeah. Uh, so therefore, you've paid money across to HMRC. It's exactly the same for a football club. 
What's different is that when you sell a player's registration, there is VAT on that, and you pay VAT on a quarterly basis. Now, the the complication is that if if you're Huddersfield Town, let's say that you've just sold a a player for £20 million to a Premier League club, the Premier League club say, right, £20 million, 20% of that is VAT, uh, so that's, that's £4 million quid. And then the Premier League club says, we're going to pay you in instalments. So we're going to pay you £5 million over the next four years. Mm-hmm. The trouble is, from the, the selling club's point of view, is that you've got to pay the VAT uh, immediately. Uh, okay. So you get your first instalment on the sale of the player, £5 million quid, and you've got to go and pay £4 million quid to the government in VAT straight away. So you've got what's commonly known as bog all to actually reinvest in the transfer market. So that's the story which is coming from the Huddersfield owners. We've sold a couple of players. Why has it not been reinvested? Because it's all gone to HMRC for VAT. I, I see. Okay. The, the mere concept of VAT baffles me completely because I charge somebody VAT. They pay me VAT. I pay that to the HMRC. This it's the same money going. I don't know. Why do we not even bother to do that? Because it's, it's the same money going round and round and round, isn't it? Well, it's not. It's it's the ultimate purchaser who bears uh, VAT. I used to teach tax, by the way. Um, <laughs> really? In between nights out in Grimsby and running nightclubs in Blackpool, etc. <laughs> um, it, it's the it's the it's the final person in in the chain that pays you. So normally, you or I, when we when we go out for a meal, when we buy a theatre ticket, we're actually in, paying for the VAT on that. And the VAT that we give to the theatre company or the football club, they pass on on our behalf to HMRC. I still don't get it. (laughs) This episode of The Price of Football is brought to you by the AI-powered workspace Notion. What if you had access to tomorrow's tools today? In Notion, you do. It's the AI-powered workspace where any team can turn ideas into action. My career is sort of a bit like being a butterfly and I'm always jumping from project to project. So therefore, Notion helps me from summarising meetings notes and automatically generating action items to getting answers to any question in seconds. If you can think it, you can make it. And Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company or a freelance football finance lecturer. You can try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash price of football. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash price of football and start turning ideas into action. That's notion.com slash price of football. Hi, I'm Steve Lamack and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insights, Stuart Dredge on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. Um, Russell Earl. Now, this is uh, something we touched on in, in the previous problem we were talking about at Walsall. I mean, uh, Russell's question is, in the longer term, is it better for a club to own its stadium or to pay rent to the council? Now, he's a, he's a concerned Oldham fan. Oldham are in a similar situation to, 
uh, to Walsall. He says it might explain why the owner is running it in the way he is, which some Oldham fans would call into the ground, mm. basically. So are there benefits to renting a stadium? Um, yeah, it's the same. It's, it's no different to the position you have in respect of a house. Um, if the rent is cheap, then you're better off as a, as a tenant. Uh, if the rent is expensive, I think what you've got to say is, well, what benefits are you getting from paying that, that high degree of rent? So I think a classic case would be those clubs which rent their stadium, but they're not allowed to use it for any other purpose. So if we take a look at Coventry City mm. at, at the Rico, yeah. they were the tenants of Wasps. So it meant that uh, Coventry paid a rental for 25 matches a year and they couldn't use the stadium for any other purpose because Wasps said, we're taking all the hospitality money, we're doing all the, the, the uh, commercial uh, developments as far as the stadium is concerned, we're even taking all the money on match days from the sale of pints and pies and so on. So you've got to you've got to look at the small print, sadly, um, to see whether you're better off or worse off. And that won't be better for Coventry at St Andrews now, either, will it? Presumably? Oh no, no. The the uh, the the people that own St Andrews, Birmingham City's uh, Hong Kong owned uh, holding company, uh, they were in such a strong position when negotiating that deal that they will have had Coventry City over a barrel. Which well, it's, it's depressing, isn't it? That really is depressing. Um, but, well, in that case, let's end with a, a, a more upbeat question from Daddy Daycare. Uh, we all love to look after our own kids from time to time. Let's not brag about it, Daddy. <laughs> Daddy Daycare. Um, Daddy's going to assume that England win the Euros. I like that. That's the sort of optimism we need. So to, how much will the FA get if England do win the Euros? And how much will we make from part hosting them? You know, with the final and one of the semi-finals will be at Wembley. Is, is, is it lucrative? Um it's not that lucrative. If you take a look at the 2018 World Cup, France made $38 million from winning the World Cup. Dollars? Why dollars? Uh, because uh, FIFA work in dollars. Oh, okay. I didn't know they, that. They, that's the way that they distribute their money. Oh, so, so England finished fourth and they got $22 million. Now, if you think about it, you've got to pay the players out of that. You've got to pay for your accommodation out of that. I mean, they, they were given some other money, a few bit, other bits and pieces. Cut. But... It's it's not particularly lucrative. The the players' pool will take an awful lot of that. The manager will need paying all the coaching staff. You've got the transport to and from the ground. Um, so, thirty eight million for a for a national national FA isn't isn't a huge amount of money. Yeah, you, you, that wouldn't even buy you a fallback in, mm. in a, for an elite club these days, would it? Can we just go back ever so many? There will be a lot of older fans listening to this. It'd be intrigued by you've got to pay the players. Is that different to the player? Because in the old days, you didn't get paid for playing for your country, but there was the players' pool, as you describe it, which sort of TV money was all thrown in together and they split it. Is So players are actually paid now to pay for England? They, they are paid to play for England, though I think you've got to give the players credit. You know, somebody probably can confirm this, is actually what the players tend to do is that they put that money into some of the players' charities and that gets distributed. Okay, good. But in terms of... Does the FA make a huge amount of money out right. of it? They will make the money not from um, FIFA itself, I don't think, significantly, but they will make the money from all of their uh, sponsors and partners 
um, because there will be bonuses for how you progress through the competition. Okay, now what about making money from actually hosting it? Like I say, the final is going to be at Wembley. One of the semi-finals is at Wembley. It's a strange tournament this year because the, the group stages are all over the place. But if it's say England were, was hosting the whole tournament, as in '96, how much money would the FA get for hosting the tournament? Um, you 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 pitch in um, to pay a hosting fee. Oh, so okay. so that that's what the FA have done with regards to Euro 2020. And then you get a share of the gate receipts. Now, now having bought tickets myself, uh, so I'm going to see England play the Czech Republic. You know, the price of tickets is yeah, 150 quid for a ticket. Uh, this is for group games. Yeah. You know, it's similar, I'm going, going to Dublin to see a game there as well. Yeah, but you'll be in top class, full bifters, lounges, I imagine, wouldn't you? Not... No, no, that's, that's, for, that's just for tickets alongside the, the halfway line. Don't no. You? Yeah. 150 quid. Oh, it, was, it was something extortionate. For a group game? For a group game. I, you, uh, the, I, I think the eyebrows I think, are getting the workout. I, know, I, mean, I, th- I think the tickets behind the goals are cheaper, which, right. which, which they traditionally are at matches. Um, but but I, still, I, they're going to be 100 quid, though, if you're paying 150 quid. They, they, are, they are pretty pricey. Um, I, th- I think perhaps we'll, we'll, another pod will actually yes, go through I'd, I'd like to do that, how, yeah. much, how much it's going to cost a fan. Because um, I know uh, I'm, not, this, I'm not plugging the book here. Um, but if you if you uh, I, I researched for the book um, how much it cost somebody to watch England win the uh, 1966 World Cup, um, and I think you could do it for something like two pounds sixty five to see every game uh, that England played all the way through. And now, even taking into account inflation, I think yeah. it was, that works out as sixty five quid uh, today. And well, you know how much it costs. Yes, absolutely. And that's yeah. We should do that. Well, we'll add that to the list of specials in international football. We'll add that to. The, <laughs> speaking of which, Scotland, it is happening. We are we're in negotiations with the the head of the SPL, so that's definitely happening in Scotland. That, that's incredible. So, we, I I assume, like many people do, that the the UEFA would have looked at the size of the various countries involved and divvied out the games accordingly. But essentially. Those who bid the most. So, if the Slovakian FA had bid more than the English FA, we'd be playing games. Yeah, that- yeah. I, th- I think there's some matches in Azerbaijan. Yes, yeah, it was, that's not a, a particularly lucrative place. But you think that the 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 uh, Euro Euro League yeah. final last year that took place there. So it's how much money you bid, to, and it's 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 the same in cricket actually for for test for matches. Test match, well, it. You know, it just shows how hopeless and naive I am because I genuinely thought that that was UEFA's way of saying that you know these countries need their part of the UEFA as well. We need to play some games there, but no, it's money. No, that's why both semi-finals and the final are taking place at Wembley because the English FA bid the most. So, so we're fourteen pods in. I still haven't. I still haven't got a hang of football finances. This is why we're doing it. I'm, I'm genuinely astonished about that. Um, thank you for all your questions again this week. We couldn't do our Monday special about questions without the questions. Um, Price of Football is Adaptive Production. Uh, as ever, if you want to leave us a review, do so where you listen to the podcast, and that will help the algorithms, and we'll have an algorithm special coming up as well. <laughs> Kieran, thank you. See you next time. Thank you very much, Kevin. The Price of Football. I'm for the